good day. <laughs> how, how are we looking? It's the Bill Michaels Show. Bill is off today. Starting his weekend a little bit early. I think he's probably going to work harder today than he has the rest of the week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday put together. Uh, and that's not to say Bill doesn't work hard on the show. He does. He's on air for four hours a day talking with guests, reading comments. He's doing the huddle Wednesday night. It's not that Bill doesn't work hard Monday through Thursday this week. He does. It's just that I, the way the way I've seen this, the way I've heard this, the way I'm interpreting this, is this Christmas party is Bill Michaels' Super Bowl. Like, th- this is what it's all been about. And that's tomorrow night. He's got friends coming to town. He's preparing. He's telling me about all the different varieties of beer. Because you listen to the show. You know that Bill is a connoisseur of different beers, different bourbons, different tequilas. You know, he's always talking about, he's a tastemaker, really, is what Bill is. He's buying all these different varieties and all these things. The other day, he messaged me. He's like, well, what kind of beer do you like? And I'm like, I don't know, P- PBR? <laughs> man, I'm, I'm not a craft beer connoisseur. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not a man of, of finer things, of finer tastes. Nothing against craft beer. Uh, nothing against fancy cigars or, or specific bourbons. I just... I have a very uncultured palate. I'm a very uncultured man. Bill, the opposite, and Bill is, uh, well, basically, he's, he's curating. He's curating culture right now, getting ready for, uh, for the Christmas party tomorrow. So I would imagine he was up even earlier today, and he's going to be working even harder today than if he was hosting the show, which is, again, not a slight on how much work he normally does, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, but he's going all out today. So keep Bill in, in your thoughts and in your prayers uh, that he doesn't work himself to death today, getting ready for what I believe. It, it seems like this is his Super Bowl, his Christmas party over the weekend. So I'll be handling the show today. Don't worry, Bill will be back on Monday. It's not like he's going out to the East Coast, suffering through uh, early airport travel and coastal elites and and that sort of thing. We got a loaded show today. Tyler Dunn is going to join us at 1130. Now, Tyler Dunn, go long. He used to be on the Packers beat, Bleacher Report, Journal Sentinel. He, he's been all over the place, and we have lots of experience with him covering the Packers. Tyler Dunn joins us most Fridays. He's a good friend of the show, and he's here most weeks. Sometimes he's traveling or he's interviewing players, so it doesn't work. But most weeks, he's here. This week, however, his appearance, which is regularly scheduled, just happens to be coming about 24 hours after he launched this bombshell of a Sean McDermott story that included weird anecdotes and lots of stories and 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 sourced comments about weird things that McDermott has done and how he's a weird leader and how the Bills need to move on from him. And, and the crown jewel of the whole report was a story that was confirmed and, and, and really laughed about by basically every source that he had. It was what he referred to as the 9-11 story. And he framed it when he, when he wrote about it at Go Long as every time he would bring it up around this source, a former player, former coach, former staffer, He'd be like, oh, the 9-11 start. Like, everyone knew about it. Everyone, and he wrote about it in the story where Sean McDermott basically used the 9-11 hijackers as, I I guess, an example for teamwork in a speech that he gave. It's very bizarre. So we have to talk to Tyler about that. (laughs) Coming up in an hour and a half, it's the biggest story in the NFL this week, or at least the last 24, 48 hours. So it will probably be supplanted before too long by something weird that happens with the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. But until that happens... This is the biggest story in the NFL right now. Sean McDermott even brought it up and apologized at his press conference yesterday. Very bizarre. So I I want to talk about that story with Tyler and how that story came together and his process of of putting that together and what's going on with the Bills. Also want to talk Packers and Jordan Love because Tyler has been basically a day one. Not basically. He has been a day one Jordan Love guy, a Jordan Love believer really since the beginning. So we'll talk about this winning streak and the stretch of really good play 
that Jordan Love has been on with Tyler Dunn. Ryan Glassbeagle, New York Post, is going to be here at noon. Uh, anytime I have an opportunity to host this show or have a couple of hours, because my show in the evening is only two hours, so I can really only fit that much stuff in. Anytime I have a day where I get to do four hours or six hours, I like to check in with Ryan because I like to talk about some of the other stories in sports, sports media, sports television, sports radio, um, and, and there's always a lot going on in sports media. So we'll talk about that, probably talk some Packers with Ryan Glassbeagle, the New York Post. He's based in Chicago, so we can always talk about some Midwest things. He's going to be here at noon. Dan Duggan covers the Giants for The Athletic, going to be here at 1230, so we'll get an eye on the enemy. And we need an eye on the enemy because the Giants, you know, we started the year, they were in prime time, and it's Daniel Jones, it's Brian Dable, it's this offensive line that they're building. We kind of knew who the Giants were. We thought we got the deal, and we thought we understood what the Giants were. And then the season started, and they sucked. They were so bad. And then they just fell off the map. They disappeared. They haven't been on prime time. They haven't been televised in, in really any market outside of their own. They don't get any national run. Daniel Jones has been hurt. Nobody talks about him. Nobody sees him. So I need an eye on the enemy. I need some information from Dan Duggan. He covers the Giants for the athletic little eye on the enemy. He'll join us at 1230. We'd love to take your calls as we get into the show. And I am on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Easy way to interact with the show and jump in, talk about this, that, and the other thing. I want to start with the Bucks. The in-season tournament was going on last night during my show. It started at 6. The game ended around 6.30, 6.45. So I just sat in the studio after my show last night. I listened to Temple and Heilprin on The Zone. Great Badger show. And if you missed the podcast, you go check it out. Because Jesse told the story of this wild recruiting story of an edge rusher, outside linebacker from Syracuse. The ups and downs and twists and turns. It's one of the wilder recruiting stories you'll read. So go read Jesse's story. Go listen to the podcast. Temple and Heilprin last night, they were at Monk. So I was listening to that in the studio, watching the in-season tournament. The Bucks lose. They lose a game that was really fun to watch. At one point during this game, I tweeted, this is an electric basketball game. Both teams are trading big buckets. Lots of star players on both teams who can really pour in shots and score a lot of points. The Pacers went on their run kind of late in the second quarter. The Bucks went on their run in the third quarter. And it came down to as many Bucks games have and as many NBA games do, it came down to the fourth quarter and who could close. The Pacers closed. The Bucks did not. The Pacers advanced to the championship game 128-119. So the Pacers are 12-8. and The Bucks are 15-7. and And they've been eliminated from an in-season tournament that, let's be real, most people said they didn't really care about, they didn't understand, they didn't really want to watch until the Bucks are in the finals and now it's life or death and now it's an emergency and, and it's DEFCON 5 that the Bucks have lost. Does DEFCON work that way? What's scarier, DEFCON 1 or DEFCON 5? You get my point. It's it's a catastrophe that the Bucks have lost a tournament that most people weren't really even paying that much attention to a couple of weeks ago. But, of course, that the Bucks get close, so it's a catastrophe that they lost. Watching Bucks games is getting hard for me, and I love the NBA as much as anybody. Uh, even in November and December, the last couple of years, every year I've made an investment in League Pass because on any random weeknight, when there's not football on, when the Badgers aren't playing, I'm just going to spin the dial and see which NBA teams are, are playing. And there's normally a good matchup or two every single night. And I also like League Pass because at 1030 at night, when football is done, when college basketball is done, when there's nothing else going on, I can catch a Warriors game. I can catch a Kings game. I can catch a Lakers. There's something going on. So the last couple of years, I buy League Pass and I watch a lot of these random teams. I watch as much NBA as anybody. I spend as much time on NBA Twitter as anybody. And I listen to as many NBA podcasts and watch as many NBA shows as anybody. And watching Bucks games this year is getting hard for even me. It's a little toxic. It's a little annoying. 
It's a little obnoxious because every time I'm at home watching a Bucks game, and let's say it's the second quarter, and the Bucks are leading by one or two. Like it's a one-possession game, back and forth. Right? And I go on Twitter, oh, let's see what this person and that person have to say about this Bucks game so far. And it's, oh, the Bucks are a layup line on defense. God, they can't defend their way out of a wet paper bag. Ah, oh, Chris Middleton's old, can't defend, washed, terrible contract, he sucks. Damian Lillard, is he even trying on defense? Where the hell is Bobby Portis? We should trade him. Giannis, I swear, if he shoots one more three, I, this team is so stupid. They pissed me off so much. Bucks are leading by one point. Bucks are leading by two points. Man, Cameron Payne, what a, what a moron basketball player. Is Adrian Griffin even a real coach? We should fire him. Bucks are leading by a point or two. It's a close game. It's a back and forth game. It's like people only tweet and people only say things about this Bucks team when they have something negative to say. And it's been a bumpy start to the season, right? They got a brand new coach. They have some new additions. They're learning on the fly. So there are some bumps, but it's like people only want to talk about the bumps and people only want to be frustrated and people only want to complain about this Bucks team. It's not like they're 5-15. and 15. They're 15-7 and seven and they're second in the East behind the Celtics. And they made it around farther than the Celtics in the in-season tournament. Not that that matters a whole lot, but complain, bitch, whine, piss, moan. It's like, oh my goodness. You, you, you ever have a friend or you have a friend group when you're ever around them, all they do is complain about work. All they do is bitch about their wife. All they do is, oh, my kid's got this thing going. It's like, I don't like being around you. You're negative. You have a coworker who comes into work every day. They're just pissed off. They're just miserable. Hey, how are you today? Crummy. And then they tell you some long story about how their car broke down and their mom's sick and this and that. And they sound like a walking country song. It's like, I don't like being around you. You bring me down with your negativity. Everyone deals with negative things. Everyone deals with bumps in the road. Every team deals with bumps in the road, especially over the course of an 82-game regular season in the NBA or over the course of a 162-game regular season in Major League Baseball. Even in the short NFL season, there's 17 games. Teams have ups and downs. Just look at our Packers. Two months ago, we wanted everyone fired and Jordan Love sucks. Now, all of a sudden, Jordan Love should have a sneaky case for MVP and Matt LaFleur should be getting coach of the year nods. What happened there? Right? Every team goes through bumps in the road. Every person in their life goes through bumps in the road. I don't like being around people that obsess over the bad and ignore the good. And Bucks fans really like to talk about the bad right now, and it's toxic. I don't even like going on Twitter during Bucks games anymore. I don't even like listening to the announcers during Bucks games anymore. I almost had to mute the game last night because it's Mike Breen and is it Reggie Miller? I thought Reggie Miller was on TNT. Did he go to? What happened there? Is he on ESPN now? I didn't even put two and two together until now. But Reggie Miller, every time the Bucks would give up a basket last night, it's like, well, this Bucks defense, they're, they're not what they were with Drew. It's like, oh, so the are the Bucks the only team in basketball that occasionally surrenders a, a bucket? You know, the Bucks would give up an offensive rebound. Well, this team, they, man, I tell you what, they, Drew's, uh, Drew's gone and Dame's great, but this team can't rebound like they used to. Oh, so the Bucks are the only team that's ever given up an offensive rebound? The, the discourse, the discussion around this Bucks team is so damn down. It's such a bummer all the time. Everyone's being a Debbie Downer. And yeah, the defense isn't perfect. Yeah, they didn't rebound. They didn't do a great job there last night, but they're 15 and seven. They got a brand new coach. They're working in some new pieces. Let's let this thing breathe for just a bit. And I'm not guaranteeing you that they're going to figure it out. I'm not guaranteeing you that, hey, just wait, the Bucs will make the final. I, they probably won't. Most teams don't make the finals. Newsflash, newsflash Bucks fans, if you need to hear this, the Bucs might not win the championship this year. Do you feel better now that someone, t- 
someone told you that? They might not win the title this year. What, what do you want from me? They might not. But can we give it a little time? Can, can we can we take a deep breath and just sit back and enjoy watching Giannis and Dame play basketball together? I mean, what happened? Dame got traded to Milwaukee, and everyone's like, this is going to be incredible. It's going to be so much fun to watch. This is going to be a special season. Soak it in, Bucks. Don't take these seasons for granted. This might be as good as this team is in a long time. And then it's the second quarter against Indiana on December 7th, and we're losing our minds on Twitter because they gave up a layup because Brooke Lopez didn't get his head around in time. Oh, the horror. Call the UN. Right? It's just such a bummer. And I'm not saying the Bucks are perfect. I'm just saying I would like us to, to maybe enjoy the good while also sometimes mentioning the bad. And it seems like this fan base and people who talk about the team and cover the team are only focused on the bad. And a lot of it has to do with the defense. They need to get better defensively. But, you know, I think a lot of people would tell you today, whether it's on Wisconsin Sports Radio or you listen to an NBA podcast or you watch a sports TV show on ESPN, if they talk about this game, which they might not because there was a Thursday night game last night, LeBron played. So maybe this game doesn't get a lot of national run, but I would imagine that if you find discourse about this game on any given podcast or any given TV show, the analyst or the host would tell you, well, the Bucs, man, they're... They can't get stops. Their defense is rough this year. They lost last night because of defense. They couldn't stop the Pacers in in the fourth quarter. The Pacers had a really good fourth quarter. They scored 37 points. And the Bucs needed to get a couple more stops. But I would put the Bucs defense at, like, issue number three or four last night. I don't think the Bucs lost that game because of their defense. The Pacers averaged this year 127 points per game. Last night, the Pacers scored 128. And a couple of those points at the end came from garbage time free throws. Now, I'm told, I'm told, and I believe this to a degree, that with Joe Barry, he holds teams to certain scores. He holds teams to to this or that. And he keeps them under 20, keeps them under 24 points, keeps them under their season average. And that makes the Packers defense good. That makes Joe Barry good. I believe that to be true to a degree. It's a little bit more complex than that. But if we take some of that logic and apply it to last night, it's like, well, the Pacers averaged 127. The Bucs basically held them to about 125 and then gave up some garbage time free throws at the end. That's a game that they got to be able to win, right? Yeah, you'd like a little bit, uh, a couple more stops, but that's a game. You didn't get lit up for 140. That's a game that this Bucs team should be able to win, and I don't think it was their defense that cost them the game yesterday. They got out-rebounded last night by, if not the worst rebounding team in the NBA, close to it. Really, really close to it. Depends on what metric you use, rebounding percentage, contesting rebound percentage, total rebounds. The Pacers don't put a massive emphasis on rebounding the ball. The Bucs cannot get out-rebounded by the Pacers. That can't happen. Need to close down some of these possessions. You can't give the Pacers more than one chance because they're a really good offensive team. The Bucs with Brooke and with Giannis and and with, again, they're not as big as they were last year. But they have a lot of size. They're a fundamentally good rebounding team. They can't get out-rebounded by the Pacers. I thought that was their biggest issue last night. They also, last night, missed a bunch of free throws. They shoot from the free throw line. 75%? 72%? What was it last night from the line? They were 21-28. to 28. They shot 75%. And you might be thinking, well, Giannis is going to miss some. Man, Giannis hit 11-13 last night. Giannis was great from the free throw line. Brooke Lopez missed two free throws. Marjan Bochamp missed. He was one of four from the line. That can't happen. In these close, contested games, you can't leave points on the floor like that. They're free. They're free throws. They're called free throws for a reason. You got to make them. They left points out there, and they left points at the rim. They missed a lot of layups. They missed some touch shots, some shots around the rim, shots they got to make. 
And that's not just Giannis, but Dame had a couple good looks too. Chris Middleton, Beasley. When you're up around the rim and you get good looks, you got to convert. We've seen that from Tyler Wall and Stephen Crowell, and, and we were pulling our hair out over some of those plays that the Badgers left on the floor last year, right? Got to make your shots at the rim. Got to make your free throws. Bucks didn't do either one of those things last night. They also got out-rebounded by the freaking Pacers, who are not a good rebound. They're one of the worst rebounding teams in the NBA. All of those things, to me, are more egregious than having a mid-game defensively, which is basically what the Bucks did. And I know they had some brain farts here and there, and it looks bad, but every team has brain farts. Every, every team gives up a bucket every once in a while. The NBA, shoot, they're really good. These scores, these shooters, they're really good. You can't, you can't shut them down for a full straight quarters. The Bucs shot 9 of 25 in the fourth quarter. You want an issue? There's your issue. They built this team to have a good clutch offense, to have shot makers in the fourth quarter, and they went 9 of 25 in the fourth quarter. Can't happen. Can't happen. Turn the ball over a bunch, didn't shoot the ball in the fourth quarter. That's their issue. You, you can nitpick the defense all you want, but if they are not shooting well and if they're playing sloppy basketball in the fourth quarter, they're not going to win. It doesn't matter if they have the best defense in basketball. They're not going to win. So, if someone tries to talk your ear off today about, oh, the Bucks' defense is a catastrophe. They lost yesterday. Couldn't stop the Pacers. Eh, it's a little bit more complicated than that. And I don't know if that's a bad or a good thing. <laughs> is, it, is it good that the Bucks lost for reasons not related to their defense, or is it bad? I suppose it depends on if you have a glass half empty or a glass half full personality. And with my experience with a lot of Bucks fans, it's normally glass half empty. So, I think people will probably view that as a bad thing. Let's take a break. I want to share with you a couple comments that were made after the game, a story that came out, Chris Haynes, Bleacher Report, about an incident in the Bucks locker room. I'm not really sure what to make of it. Not really sure how I feel about it. We'll put it together. We'll pick up the pieces next. It's the Bill Michaels Show. My name, Grant Bills, Twitter, at Wisco Grant. We're back in three minutes. This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Oh, I need a window. Maybe it's cold outside. So where do I go? Come on, Santa. Go to Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Now is the time to replace your leaky windows and doors. You and Mrs. Claus can get your new windows while putting no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. Unwrap this gift now, but pay for it later. More jingle that stays in my pocket. That's right, Santa. Plus, our elves install year-round and in as little as one day. Pella offers lines in luxurious wood to fiberglass and vinyl. Why not make a New Year's resolution today? That's the spirit, Santa. Pella now, pay later. Absolutely. Put no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. But you have to hurry. Offer ends December 31st. Schedule your free consultation today at PellaWI.com. Certain restrictions apply. See show for details. Offer ends 12-31-2023. Bill Michaels Show. How we looking? Happy Friday. Hope your week is wrapping up nicely. Looking forward to a good weekend. This is a busy sports weekend. I was talking with the guys on the morning show, Ebo and Rowdy, before 10 o'clock. We got Badger Volleyball. Had a nice win last night. Badger Hockey this weekend. Badger Basketball. They're down in Arizona. They're in Tucson. Badgers have won, what, six in a row? It's still six, right? I think it was six in a row last time I talked about the Badgers. They haven't played yet. So six in a row. Marquette win. Michigan State win the other night, and now they're going up against the Wildcats, the number one team in the country tomorrow. Army-Navy, I guess if that's your sort of thing. We really figure out who needs football on their TV on Saturday. 
when you can sit down and, and watch all of Army-Navy, and the pageantry is cool, and support the troops, of course. But it's not historically a great football game. I think it went, last year, if I remember correctly, it went to overtime or double overtime, didn't it? I was out with a buddy for a bachelor party last year on this weekend, and I remember being in a bar in lacrosse, and we're like, well... I guess Army Navy is the only football game on, so we decided to dedicate our entire afternoon to it because we're men and that's what we do. We'll talk football, a lot of football throughout today's show. Obviously, the Packers, I want to talk about Joe Barry coming up at 11 o'clock, but we got Tyler Dunn on the way, Dan Duggan, who covers the Vikings, or not the Vikings, the Giants for the Athletic. We'll discuss this game, get a little bit of an eye on the enemy, classic sports radio with him coming up later on in the show. I'm on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. You can call the show if you'd like, 608-321-1670. So the Bucks lose yesterday. It was a bummer. I wish they would have won. I wish they were playing in the in-season tournament final. That being said, they made it farther than all but two teams. They're 12-7 and seven right now, correct? 15-7. and seven. For a team with a new coach and a new superstar and a fan base that seemingly is hating everything and anything that happens every single night, I'd say they're doing okay. It's not perfect. But we didn't expect it to be perfect right away. And this is something, I was thinking about this last night. In the media, sports TV, sports radio, sports podcasting, sports blogging, in the media and in fan circles, people who talk about the teams, we're so good at vocalizing our expectations. We're so good at at preaching. You know, coming into this Packers season, we're like, well, we need to we need to adjust our expectations a little bit this year. We, we need to look a little bit deeper than, than the win-loss record, and we need to be patient because this team isn't going to be as good, and we need to watch this team differently. And everyone's like, that's a great point. You're, you're so right. We, we're going to need to really be patient this year. We should we should be prepared. That, that's a good point. And, I, you know, we can't obsess over wins and losses. We need to look at, like, what does it look like on the screen? That, that's so smart. That's a great point about the Packers this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we get two months into the season. Help! We're losing! Hey! It's like, wait, why are we why are we freaking out? We expected this, didn't we? We talked about this for months. Talked about this all summer with the Packers. Probably gonna lose some games, probably gonna be frustrating, gonna be some growing pains, really young team, really young O-line, really young skill position players. Head coach has got to try to figure it out on the fly here. We knew this, but as soon as the games start, we lose our minds because that's 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 when, when we sit down to watch our team, that's when we can no longer practice what we preach. That's when logic and reasoning, rationality, go right out the window. Because that's what sports fans do. Fan is short for fanatic. I bring it up anytime I can because it's the funniest, most overhyped cliche in all of sports, but it is true. We're so good at, 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 at preaching. We're very bad at practicing, right? The, the preaching, we're great. Oh, we can preach. We, sh- we need to be patient with the Packers this year. And then they lose a couple of games real ugly. Matt LaFleur should go. Mark Murphy. This goes all the way to the top. Fire Mark Murphy. The board should get rid of him and Brian Gudikins. And you know what? Move the team. Move the team while we're at it. This is an embarrassment and someone's got to take accountability. It's like, whoa. We, whoa. whoa. Talked about this before the year. We, 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 were, we should have expected this. We talked about how we should have expected this. We preached, but we cannot practice. Now with the Bucks this year, this is a classic case. Classic case of a superstar. Joining up with a superstar. Chemistry building takes time. It took time for Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, and Chris Bosh. And Giannis is not LeBron. And Damian Lillard is not prime Dwayne Wade. Okay? It took time for the Heat. And the Heat didn't have a new coach. Eric Spolstra was there. He had been the guy. The Bucks have a new superstar pairing. Some different tangent pieces on the roster. 
and a new head coach who's new. And all offseason, you know, we're talking about Dame. Well, it's not going to work right away. It's not going to be beautiful right away. There's going to be some growing pains. There's going to be an adjustment period. Yeah, you're so right. That's a great point. We, we're we going to need to be a little patient with this team. We can't expect too much right away. And now we're a couple weeks into the season, and it's a catastrophe. We, we preached, but we cannot practice. This is very Seinfeld. You know how to take the reservation. You don't know how to keep the reservation. You know, sports fans, how to tell yourself, to practice patience and to not expect too much right away, but you don't know how to actually not expect too much right away. You, you, you can preach, but you can't practice. We're so bad at this. The last night the Bucks lose, you know, I think there were lots of different reactions from Bucks fans, different levels of frustration. I was more like, oh, frustrating, darn, got lots of things to clean up and work on, but they're winning plenty of games in the process. They're second in the East, had a pretty good run in the in-season tournament. Things could be a lot worse. And then Chris Haynes' Bleacher Report puts out an article last night about a locker room altercation. I'm not really sure what to make of this. Because sometimes, you know, you get reports of altercations at practice or in the locker room. Like the, uh, the Terry Stotts-Adrian Griffin altercation earlier this year at practice. I've talked to people in the Bucks organization. Half of them didn't even notice it. They're like, we, we, didn't, we were at practice. We didn't even see it. We didn't. It was such a. It was such a, a small little thing that was written about and reported. We there were players who didn't even see it happen, and they were right there. They were in the huddle on the other side of the court. They didn't even see it. So I, I am. I'm not denying this reporting. I am. I am not a a, a report denier. I just want to take everything with a grain of salt, because when you write about something and you put it on paper, and you drum it up in a way that's easy to read and entertaining to read. What's reality and, and what's maybe a little bit theatric? So I, I'm not denying this report at all. I wonder if you were to ask a Bucks player about it, how they would describe it. You know what I mean? Versus how a writer would write about it. So I'm going to read you some of this. After the Milwaukee Bucks were eliminated by the NBA and the NCAA tournament by the Pacers, forward Bobby Portis passionately challenged head coach Adrian Griffin and teammates to be better. League sources tell Bleacher Report. Griffin entered the locker room and began harping on the importance of winning the rebounding battle, sources say which, in my opinion, was the number one reason they lost. Adrian Griffin is correct. Everyone in the media will tell you, the Bucks defense, what a catastrophe. I think the defense is by and large fine. The Pacers scored about their season average. That's a game that the Bucks should be able to score enough and win. The problem was the Pacers are maybe the worst rebounding league in, team in basketball, and they out-rebounded the Bucks, 51-46. <laughs> this Chris Haynes' story goes on to point out Portis, who scored four points on just five shots against Indiana in a near-season-low 18 minutes, quickly interjected and stressed how essential it is for Griffin to structure the offense down the stretch of games. As one of the leaders of the team, Portis continued on voicing his concerns. Griffin welcomed the criticism and acknowledged they could do a better job being more aggressive with play calling. The nine-year veteran explained that it's a two-way street. Direction is needed, and then it's up to the players to execute, sources say. One busted offensive possession that proved to be severely costly came with two minutes left in the contest and Bucks down three. Chris Middleton just threw the ball away. They had some bad turnovers late in this game. And I, like, sure, Adrian Griffin maybe needed to get a play call in, but also it's not Adrian Griffin's fault that Chris Middleton just threw the ball away on a lazy pass that he was trying to get to Damian Lillard. Like, what do you, do you want, do you want Adrian Griffin to yell out, hey, don't turn the ball over here. Oh, got it, coach. Thanks. Is the, what, what do you what do you want him to do? And I'm not defending Adrian Griffin. I, I think their defense is muddled and messy, and they need to build a foundation before they can be more complex and be more multiple. And I think they're trying to start the season 
with lots of different looks and and lots of different formations and it's like well we need to we need to build the basics first the basics have not been built confidently yet so I don't love how he's building the defense I don't really love his demeanor like he never looks excited you're coaching the Bucks. you're coaching Giannis and Damian Lillard on a team that's contending you're not coaching LeBron where there's always leaks going out and you're not really sure if you're wanted and you like you're not you're not in this nightmare spot Adrian Griffin's in a pretty good spot the players wanted him this was their pick and he always looks depressed. It's like, dude, smile every once in a while. Clap a little bit. Give a fist pump. I don't know. Act like you're coaching a kid's game at the highest level and making a lot of money because that's what you're doing. So I am not the world's biggest Adrian Griffin fan. I I just want to make sure that fans are reasonable in the conversations they're having about their team. You know, and as far as Bobby Portis goes, you know, I, I think Bobby Portis, this is why he's on this team. This is why he's valuable to this team is because he's vocal and he's loud and he leans on other guys. And I think he raises the level of other guys. And if you go see a game at Pfizer Forum, the loudest that that stadium will be outside of hitting a big shot or a big dunk or, or probably player introductions is when Bobby Portis checks into the game. He is an uplifter. And sometimes an uplifter, Draymond Green is one of these guys, right? There's guys in sports, maybe they can be a little loud and a little abrasive, but you need a guy like that on the team. So unless Portis went too far, I, I think this is a this is a run-of-the-mill frustrated locker room moment after a loss. I remember talking to our friend Justin Garcia, the Bucks Radio Network. This is probably two years ago. The Bucks were having a they were having a rough January. You know, they had lost a couple of games, and you know, Bill Simmons on his podcast is saying things like, oh, I'm hearing lots of locker room weirdness out of why you know when a team's on a losing streak, you'll start to hear things like that. And I asked Justin about it. He's like, Well, no kidding, they're losing. They're a team that's won a championship. They're used to being the one seed. They're not, of course, they're in a bad mood all the time. They're losing, right? So the team loses a, a, a hard-fought game in Vegas on a big stage. I should hope that there's a little frustration after the game. Um, I, I don't really know what to make of this report. I'm not denying it. Um, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to view this as if there's tension, as if there's frustration between coaches and players, or if it's just the team that that is trying to get better, knows that they need to get better, knows that they need to work out some of these warts, and they're vocally expressing it with each other. I think that's healthy to a degree. So I don't know exactly what to make of this report, not denying it at all. Um, just not sure how much worry or stress I would like to put into this. I would always recommend stressing less. It's December 8th. And again, how many times did we tell ourselves coming into this year, well, we're going to need to be patient. We're great at the preaching. We nailed the preaching part. It's the practice part that we... We really suck at, you know, we don't always practice what we preach as sports fans. Fan is sport, short for fanatic. I, I get it. I do. 608-321-1670. Let's get into the Packers coming up next. Uh, if, I, if I'm if i telling you to calm down and it's not that big of a deal that the Bucks lost a game in December, uh, then let's not talk about the game and the loss for an hour on end. Let's talk about the Packers. I want to play for you some comments from Matt LaFleur, some updates about injuries and, and what the vibe is like in the building. We'll react to a couple of comments that Matt LaFleur gave to the media yesterday. It's the Bill Michaels Show. My name is Grant Bills filling in today on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Bill Michaels Show back in five minutes. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Bill Michaels show, 
Happy Friday. Hope you're enjoying your day. Looking forward to a good weekend. Lots of sports this weekend. Lots of Badger sports. Badger basketball. I just saw their Twitter account. Posted a picture of some fellas sitting out in front of the mountains in the sunshine having breakfast. I wish I was in Arizona. I mean, I wish I was hosting this show in Arizona. I, I of course, love hosting this show. Glad I'm at work today. Thrilled to be at, at work today, of course. Uh, but I, I wouldn't mind doing my job in Arizona as the Badgers are. That's what they're doing. It's a work trip. It's a business trip. It's just also one that's taking place in Arizona, which doesn't sound too bad. It's the number one team in the country. They'll play them tomorrow. Badgers volleyball, Badgers hockey. If those sports are your thing, I know a lot of folks especially like watching volleyball. Uh, I guess I'm probably not the best person to ask about hockey because it's just a sport that I've never paid attention to and never followed. My parents love Badger volleyball. So anytime I'm home over the holidays, it's always on. We're always watching Badger volleyball. And it's fun. Uh, it's just between football and the NBA and Badgers basketball. I only I only have so many eyeballs. I only have so many TVs. I can only watch so much. 608-321-1670 if you'd like to call the show. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Matt LaFleur, Spoke to the media last night, and thank God he did, because a lot of press conferences are really boring, and they're total stinkers, and like I don't really care to listen or watch. But this week has been pushed back, right? So everything's happening a day later, so I feel like I'm missing information. I feel like I'm in the dark about this, that, and the other thing. That I don't like. So I was happy that Matt LaFleur, finally, we got some, some questions asked and answered yesterday. Uh, including some injury updates. I want to play for you just a couple of these questions and answers, and then we can react to them together. Let's start by listening in on Matt LaFleur talking about how nine passes caught, uh, or I guess nine players catching passes against the Chiefs. Everyone was getting involved, so Matt LaFleur talks about that Sunday Night Football. When you're putting in these plays, you have an idea of where they could go based on the coverages, but you know you got to hit on some of those coverages, and then um, everything needs to be perfect from a protection standpoint to the quarterback's rhythm and timing and his decision making, and it just happened to work out that way. So, but yeah, it was it was all in all, it was really good execution. So I told this to Bill earlier in the week. I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, but I've said this on my show for years, which is such a. I almost wish that that hadn't come out of my mouth because I, if you listen to my show, I'll say this, but I'm not really that concerned about being right. I just, I don't really care. Like, I want to have a good time on sports radio. That's what it's for. I like messing around. You know, you throw some predictions out there. Some are right, some are wrong. It's not really about being right. It's about being interesting, right? So I'm wrong all the time. I don't really care. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to bend everything that ever happens to make me look right. Um, but this is something that I've said for years, and I think it's, it's a really good measuring stick for watching football. You know, we have so many measuring, you know, analytics-based, sabermetrics-driven statistics. You know, you can look at grades and certain numbers from, you know, AWS advanced number, Amazon Web Services, or Pro Football Focus. You know, and this is true in basketball, too. You can get uh, stats from Second Spectrum or Cleaning the Glass. Like, you can go deep into the weeds on numbers and metrics to tell you about what your team is doing well, what they're doing poorly. Here is a dumb person statistic. I came up with it. So that's how you know it's a dumb person statistic. A great test of your team's offense is how many people are involved, how many people are catching passes, how many people are targeted, because your offense will be humming and your team will be playing well if during the second quarter or if during the third quarter, Fox, CBS, or NBC puts up a graphic on the screen that says, and eight different Packers have caught passes so far. Nine different pass catchers have been targeted so far. And this goes all the way back to Favre. This is true of the Aaron Rodgers era, too. When Aaron Rodgers was really lighting it up, 
and that offense was really looking good, and then that team was really cruising, you could bet your bottom dollar, bet it dollars to donuts, that at some point in the game, a graphic was going to pop up on the screen that said, nine different Packers have caught passes so far. That's how you know you're cooking, with gas. Right? And I don't know that the Packers' offense has really cooked in the way that it was cooking against the Chiefs. They've put up points, and they've looked impressive, but Wicks, Heath, Dobbs, Watson, Sims, Kraft, A.J. Dillon, everyone was involved. Everyone was getting involved. And that's a sign that the offense itself is working. And the head coach or the play caller is pushing the right buttons and pulling the right levers because it's not about Jordan Love watching one receiver and waiting for that wide receiver to get open. It's playing within the offense. It's it's being a cog in the machine rather than just a quarterback relying on ability and relying on some connection with a wide receiver. Now, sometimes you want to rely on a connection with a wide receiver. You have Devontae Adams on your team. He's really good. Fourth and one. It's probably a pretty good bet to make. Well, let's just run it out. I'm going to wait for Devontae Adams to get open and I'll throw him the ball. That's great. And you love to have that card available to play. But you don't want to play that card every play, right? You want some sort of bigger system with mechanisms and with devices to get you yards in this type of situation. And the Packers machine was humming really nicely. And a good test to know that your machine is running is when eight or nine people have caught passes. And that was especially true. Matt LaFleur talking about that the other night against the Chiefs. Okay. They played a really blitz-happy coordinator, Steve Spagnuolo, against the Chiefs. Wink Martindale loves to blitz as well. He's the defensive coordinator for the Giants. Blitzed the heck out of the Packers last year. In fact, that was a big reason why the Packers and Aaron Rodgers' season started to decline because Rodgers got his thumb busted up. He's beat to a pulp in London against the Giants. So Matt LaFleur was asked, are you ready to handle the pressure? You expected it against Spags. You should expect it against Wink Martindale. Are you ready to handle the pressure? We've encountered a ton of different challenges from different schemes that have kind of prepared us for some of the things that could potentially come up. Um, That's just kind of the way the year's worked out. And I know we put a lot of time and emphasis in the offseason in terms of preparing for some of these pressure situations. And it served us well up to this point. Now we got to go do it again. So I was texting yesterday uh, with a friend who works at The Ringer, writes and does podcasting, and he's a Giants fan. And I texted him yesterday because I was like, hey, I'm looking to get a Giants guest on the show tomorrow. Is there one that you recommend? And one of the names he gave me was Dan Duggan, who's going to join us in about two hours at 1230. Get a little eye on the enemy. And I, you know, we were going back and forth about the Packers and the Giants just a little bit. I hadn't talked to him in a while. And, you know, the Giants have this terrible offensive line and, and something that we were joking about. And something that I brought up is the Jets O-line, not to make this about Aaron Rodgers, but the Jets offensive line was so poor this year in pass protection that it took four plays for their quarterback to get injured, All right? The Packers O-line, well, not dominant and not amazing. They've had lesser moments this year, mostly early. They've really started to put it, put it together lately. But the Packers O-line has been so trustworthy and so sturdy and so good that they rotated their left tackle and their right guard against the defending Super Bowl champs and were fine. (laughs) You know, I don't think the Packers have, there's no David Bakhtiari out there. There's no prime Brian Bulaga or Corey Lindsley. Like, I don't know that any one of these individual offensive linemen are incredible, but they don't really have a weak link right now. Like, Josh Myers 
for as much as the Packers have told us he's playing well, he's actually legit playing pretty good football right now. They don't have a weak link on that offensive line. And I'm texting with my buddy who's a Giants fan yesterday. He's like, what are they? I've never seen a team rotate left tackle. They're rotating right guard. What was that? Explain that to me. And I said, his name's Danny. I said, Danny, they can. They're doing it because they can. And they're trying to figure out who their next left tackle of the future is, who their next right guard of the future is, if that guy is on the roster or not. And to be honest... Rashid Walker and Yash Najman are both good enough to play left tackle at the NFL level. Same is true of John Ryan and, and Sean Ryan, or John Runyon Jr. and Sean Ryan. They were able to rotate out two positions in their offensive line against the team that just won the Super Bowl. And they were fine. And it's not, again, because they have elite players. It's that they don't really have a weak link right now. And an offensive line is a weak system as is a defense. Let's talk about the defense. Matt LaFleur was asked about Corey Ballantyne starting alongside. We know about Carrington Ballantyne, but then they also had to start playing Corey Ballantyne because Jair's been hurt. Rasul Ducks got traded. It's like, wait, there's two Val- No, Ballantyne and Ballantyne. Matt LaFleur talks about the job that Corey Ballantyne has done the last couple of games. Yeah, I think he's done a great job just going in there, competing, again, bringing a physical presence to the back end that I think is so imperative. So I, I couldn't be happier for, for him and for what he's done for us, uh, whether it's on defense, on special teams. He just He's always ready to answer the bell. I think Aaron Nagler of Cheesehead TV asked this next question. I'm not 100% sure, but I know that Nagler asked a question about this in a press conference this week, so let's just tip our cap Nagler for pointing this out and asking about something that I think a lot of Packers fans noticed on Sunday night. Jordan Love making a lot of checks, a lot of flexibility at the line of scrimmage, yelling can, 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 getting a run into a pass or a pass into a run. A lot of agency for Jordan Love over this offense. So Matt LaFleur was talked about love, his growth and his ability to get the Packers into the best possible play. That's all of us kind of growing together, I would say. Just having really good conversations, learning from past experiences and then making adjustments along the way. But, you know, he puts a lot of time and effort into this thing and I think he's got a really good grasp of what we're trying to get accomplished, sometimes without us even telling him. And um, that's a credit to him. What did he say at the beginning of that answer? That's all of us growing together. I want to play that one more time. That's all of us kind of growing together. I think that's so important. Because, you know, we want to go goo goo gaga over Jordan Love and, and the, the football that he's playing right now. And we want to go nuts over these young wide receivers. And I, I just wax poetic for a couple minutes about the offensive line. And while they might not be elite at any one position, I don't think they're bad at any position. You talk about Matt LaFleur. Oh, you should get coach of the year nods. It's a collective effort. It's the whole group. It's everybody growing together. That's all of us kind of growing together. A couple of months ago, the O-line wasn't in sync. The wide receivers couldn't be trusted to be at the right place. Jordan Love was making a lot of the right reads, and he was making some of the right throws, but it wasn't all really lining up. I don't really know that Matt LaFleur understood which buttons he needed to press for messaging to his team, for preparation throughout the week for play calling within a game. And over the last couple of weeks, what do you know? The wide receivers, they get a grasp of things. They're in the right spot all of a sudden, which allows Jordan Love to be more confident in the throws and the reads that he's making. The offensive line has cut out the penalties. They've cut out the really bad mistakes. Maybe they're not elite, elite, elite amazing, but they don't really have a weak link and they're not making mistakes. Great, we can work with that. I think Matt LaFleur admittedly realized we need to put an emphasis on starting fast. 
right? We're not scoring in the first half. We need to put an emphasis on starting the game the right way. And what do you know? They've started the game the right way. They look like a completely different team. So it's about the head coach figuring out which buttons to push, the O-line cleaning up their mistakes, kind of snuffing out any weaknesses, and the wide receivers being in the right spot. Oh, yeah, and now Jordan Love actually feels confident in what's going on around him so he can just sling it. And he can play with good vibes. No wonder he looks better. It's a group effort. It's everyone learning and growing together. I thought Matt LaFleur worded it very well there. All right, one more break. We'll come back. Wrap up hour number one of the Bill Michaels Show next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Ho, ho, ho. Maybe it's cold outside. So where do I go? Come on, Santa. Go to Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Now is the time to replace your leaky windows and doors. You and Mrs. Claus can get your new windows while putting no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. Unwrap this gift now, but pay for it later. More jingle that stays in my pocket. That's right, Santa. Plus, our elves install year-round and in as little as one day. Pella offers lines in luxurious wood to fiberglass and vinyl. Why not make a New Year's resolution today? That's the spirit, Santa. Pella now, pay later. Absolutely. Put no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. But you have to hurry. Offer ends December 31st. Schedule your free consultation today at PellaWI.com. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Offer ends 1231-2023. It's the Bill Michaels Show. Bill off today. He'll be back on Monday, which would be nice because we can preview Packers Giants up. Get a good last minute preview. Mike Clemens will be alongside, I'm sure. Green and Gold post game show Monday night. Bill's just taking a Friday off, getting the weekend started early, getting ready for the big Christmas party. It's his Super Bowl. I actually, and I say that unironically, he might agree. This might be Bill's Super Bowl tomorrow night, his Christmas party. We'll keep talking about the Packers. I want to bring Joe Barry into the conversation. Been talking about LaFleur. Let's discuss Joe Barry next. Hour two, Bill Michaels show. Coming up.